1: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hi, everyone. It's Saturday, and it's Chuck with a little Saturday Select episode for you. I dug deep in the archives, everyone, to talk about human cannonballs. This is part of our circus suite, circus art suite, rather. And uh, it's good stuff, how human cannonballs work, From July 2011, an oldie but a goodie. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
0: Kaboom, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. What are you doing? How are you doing the cheeks, huh? Yeah, Have we ever
1: captured that? Yeah, we did it once, and then people have asked occasionally, like, do the cheat thing again, and I I don't want to, I want to do it like once every 150 shows, literally. That's a good, that's a good pace. Don't want to overdo that.
0: So that's, that'll be the third time soon, coming up. I think so. Yeah. Show 450 right around the corner. (laughs) Right around the corner. Um, Chuckers, have you ever had Kaboom cereal? No. Dude, Dude, it was such a thing. Good. Um, No, it wasn't good. The marshmallows were good. It was basically like Lucky Charms. I don't know who ripped off who. Right. But it uh, was clown-themed rather than, you know, Irish-themed. That's genius. (laughs) Yeah. But there was a clown on front, and he had a cannon, and that's where the name came from. Kaboom. It was a circus clown, circus cannon. Kaboom.
1: But then they realized clowns were scary as heck yeah. to most people, so yeah. it failed miserably. I
0: wrote this blog post recently. Did you read it? About- I did. Yeah? <laughs> that was a good one. The clown giving, clown therapy? Yeah. yeah. People seem to like it, too. Yeah, I thought it was a nice one. Um, that wasn't my intro. My intro was about
1: Hunter T. Oh, well, let's hear it. Do you remember? Well, sure. You're probably going to reference his uh, death wish.
0: Yes. So he, you know, he comes down with the cancer and um, shoots himself in the head. And regardless of how you feel about suicide, what happened next was his, um, as you said, I guess his death wish, which he made
1: in life, ironically. Yeah, there's two kinds of death wishes. (laughs) There's a wish that you make upon your death that you would like for things to happen after you die. And then there's the Jolly Bronson death wish.
0: Nice. That was good. (laughs) Good Chuck Bronson.
1: Well, that's a Simpsons character, too. But it's a Simpsons character. Right.
0: The mustachioed uh,
1: sales clerk? Yes. Yeah. But he clearly references Charles Brunson.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, what happened to Hunter T. was uh, he um, he he was cremated and he had his remains
1: shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, thanks to Johnny Depp helped. That dream come true, yeah, because it, he has tons and tons of money to make that happen. Yes, he does. It was quite a cannon,
0: too. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, we've talked before about how I want my dead body shot out of a cannon.
1: We have indeed. Um, I'm, I'm not so sure anymore. Maybe who knows? It would be after reading this article and the physical requirements. Mm-hmm. It would be kind of gruesome. It wouldn't be like, unless they stiffened you up somehow. You would come out in a big, like, a dead body would? <laughs> That's what I've always imagined, though. <laughs> okay. That's what I see flying through the air. Oh, I thought you saw yourself, like, shooting through like, no, no. A, a rocket toward the stars. No,
0: like, flopping, like, <laughs> through the air and doing, like, half somersaults and twists. Where remember, did you want to land on? think I was going to be naked, too. Oh, God. I was going to land on the Kansas prairie and let the vultures finish me off. All right. We'll see. Coop's still like, an idea. bring it. I got a backyard for you. <laughs> I think that's how we met Coop. Um, he uh, he offered, he was like, hey, I, I, I live in Kansas and I can, I can get this done. Yeah. All right. So we'll see. But I think that that's an image that people can have in their head while we talk about how human cannonballs work, right? Yeah. Because, like you said, there's a lot to it. But one of the things that's not to it, and I think it's funny that um, people wonder how this. How you can shoot somebody out of a cannon and the gunpowder doesn't blow them up? There's no gunpowder, of course. There's not. I don't understand how someone cannot understand that intuitively.
1: Yeah, because I think people want to believe that they're being fired out of a cannon instead of a a long uh, piston enclosed in a in a tube. Yeah, with a fake boom and a flash.
0: Yes, for effect. Okay, so I guess it's the fake boom and the flash. They're they're buying it. Yeah,
1: well, that's the idea. From the beginning, that was the idea.
0: So, yes, and it has long roots. Indeed. Back to the 19th century, back to the U.K., which, by the way, I've noticed. Did you notice from, like, this article and doing any supplementary research, the U.K. is big into human cannonballs?
1: I think they're big on just this whole circus experience. Okay. They were the original showmen. Yeah? Sure. They own the world. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. And they sold it. And when you own the world, you have an obligation to entertain the world. And they did so by human
0: cannonballs. That's right. Specifically, something uh, called the projector is the is the I guess grandfather of the human cannonball cannon.
1: Right. Yeah, the Farini Projector. Right. 1871, uh, George Farini. Basically, it was like a, a more like a, a catapult, like a spatula, right? That would just flip people and stop. Ding, ding, And people would go flopping and flying through the air. Yeah. And And they go, oh, God, I regret
0: this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Specifically, uh, Lulu, um, who was a man dressed as a woman, Mm because that always adds to the comic effect. Right. Put a dude in a dress. And he was the first person in America to get flapjacked with Farini's uh, contraption there.
0: Yeah. And not only did he do that, he... Was He sailed twenty five thirty feet into the air and um, was caught by someone on a trapeze. Yeah. So as we go through this, I don't want you to just think about my dead body being shot onto the Kansas prairie. <laughs> um, I, I want you to think about how difficult it is to catch somebody on a trapeze who's just been shot out of a cannon. While you're on a trapeze, you're swinging at just the right point, yeah. hitting them just the right way, and then taking their forward momentum and yanking them another way on the trapeze.
1: Yeah. Well, this, um, in fairness, Lulu wasn't caught by someone. She he just actually grabbed hold of the trapeze. But there are people later on in this article who were caught by people on the trapeze. Right. I just want to get that. So if someone out there is like, no, no, Lulu. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> There'd be one person who knew that.
0: Um, so uh, the Farini projector was invented in 1871. It was obsolete by 1880 because this is the year that a 14-year-old girl named uh, Rosa Marie Richter, whose stage name was Zazzle,
1: right? Great, great grandmother to Andy Richter.
0: No. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um Great
1: stage name though, right? Oh sure, Zazzle. Oh, She's yeah.
0: fourteen, um, and she, at the behest of one P.T. Barnum, climbed into uh, the first cannon, mm-hmm. human cannonball cannon um, that that is designed like today's modern cannons. Well, so, yeah, sure. And she uh, was shot out of it, and um, shortly after that, within a few performances, she broke her back and w- was the first casualty of the human cannonball.
1: Yes, and this first, first cannon used uh, springs, and they employed the blast, the fire, and the, and the boom to make people think. And back then, they probably really bought it. Oh, yeah, but you know?
0: people were so dumb back then. <laughs>
1: uh, and there's a very
0: famous uh, picture of her climbing into the cannon. It's called, like, Beautiful Girl and Huge
1: Gun or something like that. I love that our forefathers, like, invented everything and, like, built the world. And we're like, they're so dumb. Yeah. What a bunch of stupid people. Yeah.
0: Well, it's harder and harder to build and discover new things now because they're, they're all. that was all the easy stuff. Like yeah. you and I could have discovered <laughs> all this stuff, right? Yeah. Now it's just more and more difficult. You You're have right. to really look for subtleties. You're right. Yeah. So we say thanks to no one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the late 19th century is just the, the human cannonball idea just takes off, right? Thanks to Zazzle, thanks to George Loyal, he was the one who was shot out of a cannon and would be caught by a woman on a trapeze. That's right. At the uh, Yankee Robinson
1: Circus, right? Yes, that's incredibly difficult.
0: It is, and you think about it, like, I think I've even seen that before, like, in person at at a circus when I was a kid. Um, But now that I've researched and read this, I'm like... I can't imagine how difficult that has to be, how everything has to be totally precise, and that these circus performers must spend like all day practicing every day just to make sure. Yeah, and not just the the timing. There's a lot of other stuff that you have to take into account, right? That's right. It's not just, get in this can and we're going to push you out.
1: No, Josh, because uh, the little sled that you're basically in goes forward at a force of 3,000 to 6,000 pounds, Per square inch of pressure,
0: right? The, we should say compressed stops. air is now the um, the preferred yeah. means of shooting that little piston forward, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are in a little capsule, like imagine um, Mork's egg, okay, but with the top cut off. Yeah. So you are not you are in a, in the barrel in what amounts to a bar- uh, a bullet in yeah. the barrel, a bullet with the top cut off, and um, that bullet is attached to the cannon. So when the when the compressed air shoots it out. The cannon stops, but you keep going. That's right. But it shoots you out at a, what did you say, like 3,000 to 6,000 pounds per square inch of pressure? Yeah. Yeah, that produces some some force.
1: That's a lot. And that's why you can't just be like all limp. You know, that would crush you. <laughs> you know, you have to be extremely strong and rigid, and your legs have to be taut. Like, you can't just be like, all right, shoot, shoot it off. Right. <laughs> or like your dead body. That's why it would be so gruesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I'd just explode in blood at the end of the cannon.
1: I don't know, maybe. That'd be sweet. But uh, with with the Big Daddy uh, cannons these days, uh, you can go horizontally about 200 feet or vertically, which they say that's where the, the oohs and ahs come from, mm-hmm. as high as 200 feet, uh, and then speeds up to 60 to 70 miles an hour. Right. So you're hauling.
0: You are hauling. Um, you're also uh, under some tremendous force, Right. Oh yes, so uh, yeah, you've got about nine Gs during launch, and twelve Gs at impact, and we'll talk about that later. But Chuck, the Dodonpa, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a roller coaster in <laughs> Japan. Uh huh. It has the highest acceleration. Um, it's a uh, two point seven Gs. jeez Yeah. <laughs> so mean. imagine nine, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a. This is a. This is you're putting this human body under a lot of stress right
1: then yes and you fly out a long way and that's why you have to take into account the things we briefly mentioned like wind speed body weight obstacles like the guy wires and the tent for the net and the mm-hmm. poles for the for the tent and we also we mentioned that in uh, sniper
0: remember yeah uh, we're talking about the bullet trajectory, and sure. they have to take into account, like, humidity. Yeah. So do people who set up human cannonball cannons. And usually I get the impression the human cannonball is the manager in charge of this whole act. They don't just come out and they're like, all right, I'll get in. Is it already? You guys
1: did it right. Yeah, and some carny, like, puts out a cigarette and is like, yeah, it looks good to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, that's not the case. Um, a lot of planning goes in because they make a point. It's pretty easy to get into a cannon and get shot out. Although, like we said, you got to be really strong and stuff. But the landing part is the crucial part, obviously. Right. Because a 50-by-25-foot net might look pretty big when you're standing on it. But when you're 200 feet away and 200 feet up, it might look like a postage stamp to you.
0: Right. And, I mean, this is a big deal. And you want to hit that net. You want to hit it in uh, just the right place, too. Sure. Um, Yeah, so to make sure that the person hits the net... Um, Test dummies are used. A test dummy is a human cannonball's best friend because you can shoot a test dummy out as much as you want until you figure out whether or not you've got the barrel trajectory just right, if the temperature is a problem, what have you. Make so, your adjustments early, right? You know? And so they just shoot a, a test dummy at the net until they have it just right, and then they they, I guess they feel that they're confident they're going to try their luck at it.
1: Yeah, and like you said, you got to hit the net at the proper place too, which is generally the rear third, because when you hit something going down at an angle like that, you're going to bounce backwards. Yeah, not like pop straight up or go forward. Right. So you don't want to hit it on the first third because then you'll bounce backwards off the net. So yeah, it's pretty specific. It is. <laughs>
0: So, Chuck, who does this?
1: Crazy circus people. Circus families. It's always families. Yeah. You know? Like, once you get into circus, then you've almost guaranteed that your kid is going to do that. Yeah. So, you want to talk about some of them? Well, yeah. The the
0: one – I think I'd heard of these people even before this, um, this uh, article – but the Zucchini family, Zucchini, no, yeah. Zucchini. The Zucchinis. The Zucchini's have been doing, uh, well, they've been performing in circuses since the 1920s, and apparently they stopped in the 90s. They're like 70 years is enough for us.
1: The Zucchini's are hanging up our little fancy shoes.
0: Right. Uh, and in that time, um, there were f- seven brothers in the family, mm-hmm. five of them. Became human cannonballs, what? and that's the just the brothers. Didn't?
1: There was also a sister too who who really? did human cannonballing. Yeah, I'm just dying to know what those other two dudes. It's like uh, uh, Eli and uh, Peyton Manning's brother. That most Todd. people go. Yeah, there's another brother, right? <laughs> like, well, what does he do? He he's the oldest,
0: wasn't he? And he used I to like so. he was like a big man on campus at Ole Miss, but that was it. He
1: didn't. He just partied. Didn't play football though. Nope. So he's not beloved by his father, Archie. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> so not true, probably. Uh, they worked with the Ringling Brothers, the Zucchinis did, who obviously, big name in circuses. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sort of pushed the envelope. Uh, Hugo and Victor, the brothers, did a little double barrel uh, gag that went over pretty well. And Mario uh, would get shot over Ferris wheels, like two Ferris wheels. Yeah. Mario Zucchini, two Ferris wheels, not on top of one another. No, <laughs> still... one after the other. Right, that's, that's quite a weird. quite a feat. <laughs> and then um, John Weiss,
0: human bullet. Yeah, he started out as a clown. Apparently, oh really? He did five years as a clown, and then made the very rare jump to human cannonball.
1: From clown to cannonball, this year. Yeah, okay. and
0: apparently uh, his first first shot. Uh, sent him six feet really Yeah. oh boy yeah that was his first one did he do it as a clown do you know no I don't think so I
1: think that that would have been a mockery to the human cannonball um, tradition okay yeah don't want to do that Uh, and then there's the Smith family also a very popular circus cannonball family well did
0: you talk about John Weiss
1: well he was he was one of the most prolific cannonballers yeah did he die doing it no okay did you mention how many times he's done it? No. 5,000? That is a <laughs> lot of time to be shot
0: out of a cannon. I did just kind of breeze over that. Yeah. <laughs> right. 5,000 times, and he'd started in 1987. Yeah. So he was doing it for a little while there, for years, I guess. He was doing it once a day, six days a week, 50 weeks a year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's a lot of blasting. That
0: is a lot. That's a lot of, I mean, especially what we know about what it, it, the pressure it exerts on a body. Yeah, sure.
1: I mean, that's, that's rough work. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, we've pointed out how it is safe, but more than 30 people have died doing this over the years. Okay, so
0: the, that, that, that pops up in this article. 30 people have died as human cannonballs. Yeah. There's a British historian who uh, died a few years back. His name is A.H. Cox. He um, says that there's been only about 50 people to ever be human cannonballs, and what? 30 have died. Really? Yeah. I thought that was kind of significant. Enough yeah. to be put into this article. <laughs> enough to uh, ward me off of human cannonballing. So, 30 out of 50 have died. Wow. And that's just who died. Others, you know, like uh, yeah, what was, broke her back. Zazzle broke her back. Um, yeah, we'll get into that
1: gruesomeness soon. Was it literally that they or broke her 50? back? Or Zazzle? Zazzle. Okay. Uh, all right, so back to the Smith family. They are the modern um, cannonball family that are pretty awesome. Um, David Cannonball Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. has spent much of his life inside of a cannon.
0: Yes. Have you been on their website? No. Was it's it awesome? It's pretty funny. He, he just, he's described as having a dynamic personality.
1: <laughs> I like that. It's better than saying he has a dynamite personality. That'd be... Pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but David the Bullet Smith Jr. is a son. He, oh, I'm sorry. He's the one with the dynamic oh, personality. Oh, okay. His dad was a real snooze. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, he bested his dad's record of uh, by flying 193 feet.
0: Yeah. So that's a lot. But his dad still holds the highest at, uh, I think, 203? 201, yeah. 201 feet, 61.2 meters for and our that's, friends
1: outside of America. Yeah, that's one that was over two Ferris wheels. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. Oh, should you mention the DARPA thing? I thought that was completely stupid and ridiculous. Did you think
0: so? Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. I think if DARPA could perfect this, then it could take the human cannonball art to a whole new level. We'll spill it. But basically DARPA, the defense uh, research project, right? Yeah. There's an A in there somewhere. Advanced. Yes, thank you. Um, They were looking at – I think they filed a patent for – a, basically a human cannonball cannon that has like a sled chair, right, mm-hmm. that shoots you up. Uh, I think they said they can get a first responder, special ops, a firefighter on top of a five-story building in uh, two seconds. So basically their idea is to take the human cannonball concept, mm-hmm. and just shoot people on top of buildings to go fight fires or to go snipe people or whatever.
1: So I get that. It's the landing thing that they say is the hardest part in real cannonballing. So what what's going on there? Well,
0: that's what I'm saying. I have no idea. Okay. I don't know if they were like, well, we've got this part, now let's go figure out the other part. But that's that's kind of the big um, joke or the big underscore among human cannonballers is it's not a problem shooting somebody
1: out of a cannon right it's the landing that's the important part yeah right or in this case if you're shooting someone on a building if you're off there then it's a, all of a sudden you're a cartoon and you smack into the building and then slide very <laughs> slowly down right. except unlike a cartoon you leave a trail of blood when <laughs> yeah. you slide down yeah and you slide down fast yeah and then there's more blood and body parts on the street
0: yes which has happened I'm sure it has You know, true love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that, it's taking long walks together in the summer or gazing longingly into each other's eyes and watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard.
1: Well, the pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Uh, As everyone knows from listening to this show, we have pulled all of our dogs off the street that Emily and I have had over the years, either right off the street or through a local shelter and working with them, and they've all become valued family members, and we think they've appreciated it too.
0: Yeah, Chuck, there is a pedigree loyalty survey that found that 90% of first-time dog owners report having a dog improved at least one of their relationships, and 80% of first-time dog owners are overwhelmingly more likely to have made at least one new connection as a result of getting a dog. And 95% of all dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than they ever expected. Not a big surprise.
1: That's true. We all know that adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime meaningful connection and real love can exist between a pet and a pet parent. You got that straight. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes. Opening your home to a dog can help open your heart. And Love at First Sight is closer than you think because it's available at your local dog shelter.
0: Yeah, very important point you can find love at first sight with the pedigree adoption drive from june 7th to june 9th and the pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide
1: that's right so just visit pedigree.com adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions
0: There's, uh, there's been a lot of accidents, as we've said, out of 50, uh, 30 human cannonballs have died, right? That's a lot. And um, to, to prevent this, you know, these people stay in tip-top shape, right? Yeah, sure. Um, you have to work out your core. You have to have a strong back. You mm-hmm. need to be able to brace yourself, like you said, and really just go totally rigid so when you're shot out, you don't just, you're not crushed. Yeah, you need to
1: become a projectile. Right. Because um, all you're wearing is a helmet, maybe a little padding. Yeah. But a they, helmet's not going to do much if you miss your net.
0: No. Um, and the, the net is very important. Uh, a lot of people use airbags as well, right? Yes. Um, there is a guy uh, who's named uh, Elvin Bale. Yeah. He's the human space shuttle. Poor Elvin Bale. He used airbags, and he is a victim of circumstance if there ever has been one, right? Mm-hmm. He was big in the 70s and 80s until, uh, I believe, 1986. 87. 87. Yeah. When he went through all the the um, tests, shot his crash test dummy out, um, it landed fine in these airbags where he, he calculated they should be. And um, what he didn't know is that his crash test dummy had gotten wet, which made it much heavier, which completely changed the dynamics of its test run. Yeah. So when he shot himself out, he missed
1: the airbags, right? He did. He, uh, he sailed
0: right over them.
1: This is in Hong Kong. And he said that he knew, quote, I could see where I was going and that it was too far too fast. So he knew in midair he was conscious enough to be like, oh, crap, I'm not going to hit the uh, airbag. And uh, apparently the dummy, because when I read that, I was like, well, how does this happen? Yeah. When that's the only safety thing you can do, how do you have a soaked dummy? Apparently it was left in the rain, and they're filled with sand. And so the outside of it dried, and, but the sand was still wet on the inside, oh, so it wow. didn't like feel wet to the touch yeah. when they were testing it. And uh, he said he remembered it feeling like it was in slow motion and that his brain actually thought he could solve this problem in mid-air aerodynamically like do something like I can do this Mm -hmm. and shorten the trip uh, and land upright, which might save me. But instead, he overshot it by uh, just a few yards and slammed feet first into the floor. Oh, man. Shattered his ankles, a knee, a leg, and his spine. And he's paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah. And that is very sad. Yeah. Uh, He
0: mentions the aerodynamics, right? Like there is a specific way you want to
1: land. Yeah, you want to do that little... Easy somersault, right, and land on your back.
0: Yeah, which is that's the way to land. You, <laughs> per- you, said it. Way. you, uh, you also said something um, that brought to mind the idea that this the g force that we talked about earlier. has been shown to produce a loss of consciousness in people, so that's another danger. That yeah. you you know when you're sailing, you want to like stay like a projectile, mm-hmm. and if you're blacked out, you're going to be like a dead body, like you. Yes. Um, And Elvin Bell's not the only person that something horrible has happened to, obviously. Yeah,
1: Matt Cranch just this year. Yeah, a few months ago. In April. Yeah. He, and this is just a nightmare scenario, he got blasted off, and right after he blasted off, the net collapsed. Yeah. So how does that happen? I don't know. That's probably what he's asking. Well, he died. He landed on his head and died. He did die so that is not what he's asking <laughs> that is what his family is asking probably yeah. via a lawsuit it yes. would be my guess
0: that was in great britain too very sad and remember i mentioned a zucchini sister um she the zucchinis used to do these double barrel stunts mm-hmm. where they two would be shot out at the same time usually next to one another or right. in, along parallel to one another well she and another brother had a um had an an act where they'd be shot in the same direction as one another. And pass by in like high five. Yeah. Well they collided and she broke her back. That's just a bad idea. That was a bad idea. But the sad thing is is if you if you look at modern people like the modern cannonballers, they they are safety conscious. Um they were just like a net collapsed or their right. dummy was was wet. Which that that makes it even sadder to me. If you get shot, you know, two hundred feet into the air at your brother yeah. at 60 miles an hour. I wonder and, how close. you break your back then something. You, yeah. You, that was part of the equation.
1: I wonder how close they intended to go to one another. Because obviously the closer the better. Like if they were <laughs> 20 feet <laughs> apart, it's yeah. like, eh. Yeah. It's not as impressive. So they probably wanted to, to, to get it tight for the effect. But can you imagine all of a sudden, like, when you see that coming straight at you? Yeah. You probably have the same realization, like, oh, crap, this... I'm going to die by hitting my brother.
0: Sister, brother. Very sad. Yeah.
1: Anything else? That's it, man. I did a – Do we ever do the thing on Daredevils? Uh, no. I wrote an article on Daredevils, and maybe we should do that at some point. Okay. Or we've been talking about our Eva, Eva K- Evil Knievel podcast. Maybe because he's a big part of that one. Maybe we can uh, just cover it all. Okay. Sans Human Cannonball. Yeah,
0: we've got that one covered. Done. Okay. Well, uh, if you want to learn more about human cannonballs, including how long it takes to accelerate a human cannonballer to their top speed, do you want to know? One-fifth of a second. Really? Yeah. You can find uh, all that by typing human cannonball onto the uh, search bar at howstuffworks.com. And from what you say, Chuck, it sounds like that will bring up more than just one article. Yeah, my daredevil sing might pop up. <clears throat> um, I said handy search bar
1: at com. That means it's time for listener mail. That's right, Josh. I'm going to call this Underground Railroad. Uh, I'm writing in about Underground Railroad. wanted to share a little bit of my childhood summers in upstate New York. Uh, my great-grandfather, Louis Loveland, made a home in Johnsburg, New York, in the Adirondacks. What's <laughs> so funny? <laughs> Like, you know him. Yeah, Louie. The home itself is incredibly cool and haunted. There's a very cluttered and dimly lit room hidden away behind the kitchen, which has a small organ buried beneath uh, decades of stored and forgotten items. Family legend has it that the organ would mysteriously start playing at all hours of the night, thanks to spirits. As if that weren't enough, there's a very large barn behind the home, which has seen its better days. My sister and I were always warned be careful when we went near the barn, a uh, be reason because the earth beneath our feet could give away at any moment. Well, this
0: sounds like a terrifying summer <laughs> house.
1: <laughs> but there's a hidden tunnel beneath the barn, uh, because there's a hidden tunnel beneath the barn running from the back of the home, below the barn, and out into the mountains, right next to a strawberry patch that my great-grandfather planted 100 years ago. Huh. The tunnel was a part of the Underground Railroad, and I've been told it's one of the last stops in the Adirondacks that is still intact today. Uh, Although it varies, the tunnel is roughly three to four feet below the ground, about five feet tall, four feet wide, and 75 yards long, uh, packed with dirt and rocks, and an absolute death trap uh, to navigate without a flashlight. Jeez. Uh, The entrance from the home is just too dangerous to use anymore, but there is a way to drop into the tunnel via a hidden door in the barn, so long as you don't mind a mini landslide of dirt and hay following you into the tunnel, which I would. (laughs) Um, That's it. Once you carefully make your way through the tunnel you emerge into sunlight and a strawberry field. Nice. Nice little treat if you're and on the end of Somebody
0: into you a uh, warm, wet
1: towel, a moist <laughs> towel to refresh. And that is from Alice in St. Louis.
0: Wow, thanks, Alice. You could do that, couldn't you, Chuck? The, uh, you've gone caving before. I could do that, You sure. can handle it. Not me. As long as it's buttressed. I wonder if it is buttressed. If Charles Bronson had anything to do with it, it is Yeah. Uh, if you have a great recipe for fresh strawberries, we want to hear it. You can wrap it up in an email, spank it on the bottom, kiss it goodnight, and send it to stuffpodcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows.